You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. Hey, hey, indestructible leaders. Here we are. I had a whole bunch of sick kids last week, so I did not get a video out. I know I've said that a few times. It's been going around and around uh, the school here. And so about once a month, it seems like one of my kids will get a fever, then the next one, the next one, the next one. <laughs> it just, oh. so we've been going through it again, but uh, weather's beautiful outside today. Um, actually have a little one home from school today and uh, she went down for a nap. So here I am. And I was able to come join you, get this, get this filming out. Um, here's the context for today. There was a question that one of you asked in the Facebook group for Indestructible Leaders. And it was such a good practical question. And it's something I've touched on in some recent posts, but I don't believe I've talked about it in our group. And so I'm not going to quote it exactly, but my paraphrase of the question is, as believers who speak the truth to the rest of the church, to the world, to those around us, and get accused at times of not being loving. I just kicked my tripod. Sorry about that. Um, not being loving. The uh, challenge of, well, you know, Jesus didn't judge. And wasn't he like a nice guy in a robe that sat on a rock uh, telling fairy tale stories to little children? And, you know, why, why do you have to be this way? And uh, I've been I've been pretty uh, more upfront about some of my political beliefs in this group in the last you know three or four videos than I almost ever do. I've I've just kind of avoided it generally speaking um, over the years, but things have reached a point where it's time to actually start speaking clearly about this stuff because it's gotten so out of hand. And so for me, I've become more direct and bold about certain things because there's these labels get thrown out there like, well, you're a, um, gosh, I saw this video yesterday, some, not today actually, some lady on The View, the TV show called The View, which is like five, liberal ladies who argue about stuff and say horrific things from time to time pretty frequently uh, she was saying i see no difference no difference between the christian right wing and the taliban now if you're looking from the angle of a left-wing liberal-minded person 
you probably look at the two and say they're both trying to force their religion and their beliefs on other people. They're both trying to put their version of morality on society. And that would be the lens that she's looking through. <clears throat> but when you actually look through the political spectrum, the right wing is the wing that believes in individual God-given rights and personal freedom and liberty that should not be infringed by government control and structure. Whereas the left wing is the one that wants a government to control, to be authoritative, to have high taxes, large government systems, control over every little detail and aspect of life versus personal liberty and freedom. There's nothing about the Taliban that wants personal liberty and freedom for all individuals to live their life at peace. Instead, they sit in a place that's similar to the left wing, except instead of the government being in control of everything, they have Allah, which Islam actually means submission. It's about uh, ultra Calvinism in a sense of a God that hyper controls every aspect of life and morality. That's not what the right wing believes. So we have so much confusion out in the culture and in the church. And for years, we've watched the church go down this road of progressivism, which is really uh, feelings over facts that, well, uh, truth is based in a story. Storytelling is truth. So if you have a son or daughter that decides to be LGBTQIABCDEFG or some other part of the alphabet mafia, that if they decide to be a part of that, well, then you have to change your theology because you don't want them to be in a place that they're going to be judged by God. You don't want heaven and hell to be real. You don't want consequences for your child. And you put yourself in a place of being more merciful than God himself and not having any understanding of judgment and sin and those struggles. And I've, I've watched, I've watched so many times pastors start going down the road of progressivism where they don't have an anchor in the scripture, the foundation, the faith, the unchangeable truth of the authoritative word, and they start folding to one thing after another. Then hell isn't real. Everybody's saved. Sin isn't a real thing. We were never actually dead in our sins and trespasses. We just thought we were in our mind. Uh, Jesus is the word. The Bible's not the authoritative word. And they make all these compromises. And 10 years later, they don't have a Christianity at all. It's gone. They're a new age. They're, they're just gone. They're space cadets. They're new age. They're atheists. They've left everything. And it happens progressively over time when that happens. So this is really important for us to understand what we've come down to and inside the question that was asked, I know I've gone down a few different roads here, but inside the question that was asked, 
is, well, where's this Jesus of love when you're confronting stuff? When my dentist needs to drill out a cavity, it does not feel like love. But it actually is the most helpful thing he can do for me when I have a cavity. It's what I need done. If my bone is broken, I need somebody to grab it and pop it back into place, which is going to hurt like crazy, but it's what I need done. And the fivefold, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher in Ephesians 4, it says they are for the equipping of the saints. And the word equipping is a medical term for setting a bone, which is going to hurt. It's going to suck, but it's good. And it's what you need. It is what you need. And the body of Christ needs people who will hurt you for your good. What we get confused about is being hurt is different than being harmed. When they set your bone, you're not being harmed. You're actually being helped. When he drills out your cavity, you're not being harmed. You're actually being helped. When you confront sin, which Paul refers to as gangrene, when you confront that in the body, you are actually hurting the person, but you're not harming them. You're helping them. It's a good thing. They need to be hurt. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about how we need to take this brother who is sleeping with his stepmom and kick him out of the church. And they do. And in 2 Corinthians, he does a follow-up and he says, welcome him back into the church. He has repented. This is good. And he's saying, I do not regret hurting him. That was good. It was needed. We've gotten so far from that. And it's such a challenge because we have Matthew 18 talks about if a brother it sins against you, go to him one-on-one. -on -one. If he won't listen, go with a couple others. If he won't listen, then make it public to the church and treat him as a non-believer. Now, treat him as a non-believer doesn't necessarily mean put up a ton of walls and treat him like dangerous scumball forever. That's the way we've kind of done it in the church. It means Hey, man, I, I don't see you as a fellow believer. We've tried to address this issue. I can still love you. I can still be your friend, but I'm not going to walk with you as if you are a brother and a believer. But it doesn't mean I have to treat you like garbage. And I think that's where we've gotten confused of excommunication and, you know, all this, all this stuff. So there has to be a balance. There has to be this landing place of confronting and challenging and bringing the hurt, but not harming and actually doing it from a place of helping. And the world, the world only knows the Jesus that is communicated from the church because they're not reading the Bible. So the Bible that they read is the life of the church, the life of believers and as the church gets more watered down, their understanding of Jesus gets more watered down. See, 60 years ago, 
the world would not think that the church was okay with a Jesus who's gay or a Jesus who was okay with people being gay, or people being transsexual or people having abortions or whatever. I mean, you can fill in the blank. But nowadays, the church has gotten so pathetic and watered down and disconnected from the word that the world doesn't, doesn't recognize where Jesus stands on this stuff. And they go, well, you know, there's whole segments of the church that actually teach a Jesus who is uh, gay affirming. There's a whole section of the church that the Jesus doesn't even believe in a hell. There's whole sections of the church that Jesus would be okay with abortion. So the world is confused about what Jesus looks like because parts of the bride don't know what the groom looks like. Part of the bride is so disconnected from the groom that the neighbor down the street who doesn't go to church has no idea what Jesus actually is like. So we have to actually get back to the place of the pieces of Jesus, the huge, large chunks of his personhood and personality that we have rejected and overlooked. The, the Jesus who tells the disciples to sell their clothes and go buy a sword. The Jesus who says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. The Jesus who says to James and John, you don't know what spirit you are operating the jesus who says to the syrophoenician woman you are a dog and you don't get the children's bread uh the jesus who tells the rich young ruler go sell all your stuff and come follow me the jesus who over and over and over again is in your face and masculine and confrontational and aggressive and direct. It's not just, oh, he flipped the tables. Don't, oh, you don't, you remember he flipped the tables. That seems to be most Christians go to is he flipped the tables. Yeah. What about Matthew 23? The entire chapter is him chewing out the Pharisees. Woe to you, whitewashed tombs, Pharisees, brood of vipers, snakes, all, you know, dead men's bones he's chewing them out for a whole chapter well most people don't read the bible so we're not in touch with the jesus who speaks like that we forget about the jesus of revelation 2 and 3 where he says wake up i'm coming to you soon and he is tearing into that in revelation 2 and 3 and that's the early church we are so disconnected from a large portion of what he's like. And that, that's a good thing. You want, in, in your home, you want to have a balance in your family of the nurturing parenting and the disciplinarian parenting. Hebrews 12 talks about that you had fathers who would punish, and when they punished, it hurt, but it hurt for a time and it produced good fruit in your life we have a father who still causes hurt for our benefit in our life 
it says in John 15 that that he prunes the vines so that they produce more fruit. If you're a vine, it doesn't feel good to be cut and pruned and then have to grow again. That's not a good feeling. If you're a bone that's out of place and fivefold comes along and adjusts you, it's not a good feeling. But it's really the producer of good fruit. So the reason people are so confused and convoluted about love and Jesus and his personality and all of that is because the church is so confused. And the church is so confused because we set aside the word and gone with feelings and stories. Like my buddy Bob, you know, decided to, you know, whatever, go sell drugs. And he found some way to justify it. And now I, I think God's okay with it. And whatever, you know, fill in the blank. So that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, it's interesting to me that one of the the last message I gave uh, before I crashed everything was in August of 2018. And I shared on the masculine and the feminine and shared from scripture and taught on this concept. And then here, five years later, I'm stepping back out into public ministry again. And this is the road I've gone down and the understanding that actually helped bring some massive change and healing to my life and my marriage and many other marriages around me. And I'm seeing the necessity of us grasping the Holy Spirit as the feminine nurturing side of God and the Father as the masculine confronting disciplining side of God and that we need a balance of both. And we've gotten so far from understanding this that we have a God whose love is just simply acceptance tolerance um just this mushy brained feeling of oh we gotta treat everybody love 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 but we don't actually see that in the life of jesus when he's you know saying to his followers after they can't uh stop the storm and he says you faithless generation how long must I put up with you? Like he has real feelings that are not just mushy minded, like hippie, new age guru love. Like that's not Jesus. That's not, that's not Jesus. I don't know what that is, but that's not Jesus. And we, we've put like a weird stereotype over him. And that's, that's not what he was like. And it's time to actually go back and look at what he was really like, because he's our example. All right. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Truth be told, I'm not the man now.
sun 